Over the past six years, we have been privileged to partner with Covenant Kids Congo, powered by World Vision. And over those years, you and so many in our community have contributed funds by in the Global 6K, in the endurance race, so that we've been able to provide clean water for over 2,000 children in the DR Congo. And today, Pastor Lindsay Watson will be our preacher to share something about her experiences in that area. Lindsay is the new ministry specialist for Covenant Kids Congo. And as she speaks with us today, we will not only be pointing ahead to an event that's coming up, but we will be pointing to God's word as she shares that God's heart for justice issues like clean water are part of the gospel. So I encourage you to join me in welcoming Lindsay, Pastor Lindsay Watson as our preacher this morning. Welcome church. It's great to be with you today. As Pastor Sharon said, my name is Lindsay Watson and I am the new ministry specialist for Covenant Kids Congo. And I started at the beginning of the year, so I can still say new for a little while longer. Um, and I know that Pine Lake as a whole is familiar with the work of Covenant Kids Congo, but perhaps you're new or visiting this morning or haven't heard about our work. And so I just want to take a couple minutes to explain it. CKC is a community development initiative of the Evangelical Covenant Church that leverages partnership with World Vision, churches in our denomination, and the Congolese Covenant Church. Primarily through child sponsorship and events like the Global 6K and Team World Vision events like the Seattle Rock and Roll Marathon, we raise awareness and funds to help support sustainable development in the northwest corner of the DRC. Our eyes are on the most vulnerable, especially the children, but our impact is far wider. Through this initiative and partnership, we have seen children and families, neighborhoods, and really an entire community experience hope like never before. In 2012, the Evangelical Covenant Church, World Vision, and the Covenant Church of Congo launched the Covenant Kids Congo Child Sponsorship Program in what was then the poorest country in the world. Thousands of children from the city of Gemina in northwest Congo have since been sponsored. These are their bright hopes for the future. We asked these children, what is your hope for your life? The bright hopes are coming to life. Well, that's an older video, uh, but since the beginning of this partnership, we've seen marked progress. I wanted to share just a few numbers with you that we recently heard from our partners in the field. First, since the beginning of this partnership in 2012, over 370,000 people, men, women, children, have been impacted through the programs and work of Covenant Kids Congo powered uh, by World Vision. 
a couple um, more statistics that we just found so encouraging. Um, since the beginning of the partnership, we moved from 52% to 80% of children completing basic education. We moved from 28% to 75% of children immunized. And we moved from 49% to nearly 70% of households able to provide two or more meals per day. Isn't that just amazing? I continue to be blown away by these numbers because they are more than numbers. This progress represents, represents lives changed forever. Um, and they're possible because of churches like you. So on behalf of the entire Serve Globally team, I wanna say thank you so much for your continued partnership. Y'all are awesome, amazing world changers, and it is an honor to, to be part of um, this with you. Well, prior to my role at CKC, I was an associate pastor at Cascade Covenant Church in North Bend, just up the road from y'all, or down the road, I suppose, depending on how you look at it. I grew up in North Bend, and my husband and I um, have lived there now for about 15 years and have two children. I am one of your Seattle Team World Vision teammates, uh, currently training for the 7-Day 6K, and I am usually willing to do just about anything to raise money for clean water in Congo including running, which isn't really my favorite thing to do. Um, I've also been known to make music videos and I debated showing you a clip and I quickly dismissed that idea. Our family has baked cookies, delivered crab and salmon dinners, um, and my husband and I once jumped into Lake Union and lived to tell the tale, all for the kids in Congo. Um, and I know that you have a few of my type in your congregation. What else? Well, I love meeting new people. I love eating with new people around the table, something that I have deeply missed during this season. I love to garden. I love to read. I love to play rec volleyball. I love Jesus. And I also love the local church. I love God's people. And I am called and inspired and mobilized to equip the local church to be God's people. When I was in college, I thought for sure that I was going to be heading to the mission field. Instead, I headed to Arkansas, which was a mission field in and of itself. It's where my husband is from because it's so culturally different from the Pacific Northwest. But during my time there, I served in a church and God grew in me a heart for the local church. So instead of calling me to there, the mission field, he called me to here, the local church. And fast forward 13 years and I was doing just that at Cascade Covenant, serving in the local church and I was loving it. But God had a different plan for me, a plan that honestly was bigger than I could have imagined. While my call um, has remained the same, my career took a turn and really expanded my call to a bigger scale. Instead of ministering only in North Bend in the Snoqualmie Valley, I get to interact with and, and uh, meet and preach to and recruit and ultimately cheer on local churches all over the U.S. and Canada, engaging them, engaging you, and inviting you to take part in God's work in Congo through CKC. And it's been a whirlwind couple of months as I've gotten started, but it is so good, and I am so honored to serve in this way. So when Pastor Sharon asked me if I would be interested in preaching, I was all in. I am so thankful for the opportunity to share with you and give your preaching team the week off. I look forward to the day when I can be with you in your building, shaking hands and laughing, seeing you face to face, maybe even enjoying a meal together. But I am so very thankful for online church and the capacity that we have to gather together virtually to worship God. To worship God together from wherever we are with whoever we're with, 
So thank you for the invitation to share God's word, to be part of your church body today, to enter into this sacred space with you and to worship with you. So before we dive into the message, would you pray with me? Father God, thank you uh, for this day, for the opportunity to gather together for worship, to learn more about you, your church, um, your mission for each of us right here, right now in our community and in our world. Be my words this morning, Father, allow us all to hear what you want us to hear. Challenge us to be more like Jesus today. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Well, today we are going to be talking about church. Now, this is one of those messages that flipped midweek as I was preparing. I had every intention today to preach about invitation. In fact, uh, that was the sermon title I originally submitted to your team. But isn't that kind of how God, God works? He intended something and he tweaks and refines and adjusts, making it his way instead of our way. That said, invitation is still a key theme for today. So as a baseline for our message uh, today, I want us to remember that our God is an invitational God. The entire Bible is like an invitation in the mail, inviting us in every day, all day. God is inviting us to be with him. From the very beginning of time, he intended for us to be in relationship with him. And throughout the Old Testament, God continually invites the people of Israel back to himself. He's continually inviting them to trust him and love him and seek after him. And then through Jesus, we receive this invitation in a new way. But, but that's not the end of the story. No, it's, it's not just about us. God invited us so that we can invite others. God's invitation is for everyone, everywhere, for all time to be in a relationship with him. And we have a role in extending that invitation. The church has a role in it, both locally, globally, and globally. When Jesus goes to, says to go to the ends of the earth, that's no longer just out there. It's not just across the ocean. It's across the street. We are called to be a local, a global, and a local church, a both and church, a here and there church. You see, just as I shared at the beginning of the message that I feel called to the local church, this job didn't change change my heart for the world. God affirmed my call to mission. He affirmed my call to shine the light of Christ, but he also refined my call to empower and equip and mobilize and train up the local church, folks like you. I'm telling you, the local church is where it's at. Sure, other organizations can, can do a lot, and they do. And often they do when the, the church fails to fill the gap. But church, the church, her people, all of you, all of us, we are capable and equipped to literally change the world. Sometimes we just need a little push. And I believe that the church truly is the vehicle that God has chosen to reach the world with his message. Two weeks and a couple thousand years ago, Jesus died and was buried and rose on the third day, Easter Sunday. He died so that we might have life, life in all its fullness, but not so that we could keep it to ourselves. He died so that we could expand the invitation and invite the world to follow him. The early church, those first believers, they, they worked it, um, at getting it all sorted out. And we'll be looking at a massive a passage today from Acts 2. Um, and honestly, they had a lot to work out. Uh, we know that because we can read about it in the Bible. The formation of the early church was full of small adjustments of refining and tweaking. And ultimately, the church today was formed on the foundation of the early church. So when I say church, what do I, what do I mean? 
Well, a church, by definition, is a building used for public Christian worship. Spoiler, I completely disagree with that definition. We are not a building. We are so much more. And one of my prayers for this pandemic was that we, the church, would prove this. We would show that we are not a building. We are a people, a chosen people being sent here and there, locally and globally and globally to do the work of God. In the New Testament, the word church doesn't refer to a building or a place either. It refers to a people, either the number, total number of believers who have ever lived or a local group of believers. For example, in Ephesians 1, it says that God, having raised Christ from the dead above all um, rule and authority, placed all things under his feet and made him head over all things for the church, which is his body. All things for the church, that is the universal church, all believers everywhere. It also used to refer to a group of believers in a particular city or in a particular house. For example, Acts 11 refers to the church in Jerusalem. First Thessalonians is addressed to the church of the Thessalonians. In Corinthians, First Corinthians, it says that the churches of Asia send greetings. Aquila and Priscilla, together with the church in their house, Send you hearty greetings in the Lord. Paul's letter to Philemon is also addressed to the church in your house. So there seem to be three levels, really, at least, where the the word church applies to God's people. One is the body of Christ, including all believers at all times. Another is a a group of believers associated with their geographic proximity to each other in a city. And the third is um, a smaller group of those who gather in a home. But not one of those refers to the building itself on the corner of Southeast 18th Street and 228th Avenue, your church building. So yet, let's use this working definition. Church is a gathering or group of people who come together to worship a living God and to learn about and live out the teachings of Jesus. This applies to Jesus followers everywhere, but also this group here, Pine Lake Covenant Church, gathered virtually. We are the church. And somehow we've gotten into the mentality or maybe the habit that we go to church. But no, we're not called to just go to church. We are called to be the church. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Our scripture passage is out of Acts 2, 42 through 47. So I'd encourage you to grab your Bibles or maybe open your Bible app and you can follow along um, on the screen as well. But this is one of my favorite passages when diving into how the early church, the people of God, we're working out how to do life together. Read with me. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They, the people, verse 42, this new church, this young body of believers devoted themselves to teaching and fellowship, discipleship, and learning, breaking of bread, eating together, and prayer. 
44 and 45 says that they were together and had everything in common, selling what they had to give to those in need. They were doing life together and they were caring for the people around them, not just their friends, but to anyone who had need. Verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Oh man, this is what we've been missing during the season. The meeting in the, the building, right? That The temple courts. But I also push back a bit and contextualize. The early church did not have internet and they did not have Zoom. Praise God that we do. And although it certainly feels different, I'm, I'm not sure that worship in a sanctuary or a worship center is any more holy than what we're experiencing today. It is different for sure. But think about it. Verse 46 continues, they, they broke bread together in their homes and they ate together. All the barbecues and all the dinners with friends are just around the corner, y'all. And I know that that is something that I am looking forward to doing safely. And at the end of verse 46, we read that they did all this with glad and sincere hearts. They were kind and showed love to one another. They did it authentically, sincerely, honestly, not hypocritically, praising God for his glory and enjoying the favor of all the people. I wish that this were the case today. Can I get an amen? That the church would have the favor of all the people. That that could be a sermon in and of itself. And sometimes when, and often, if I'm honest, oftentimes, I don't think that we deserve the favor of all the people. And sometimes we really mess up and need reminders. To have favor means that you're attractive and others approve of or support you. And no, it's not bending to the culture around us, but it is about drawing people in proximity. And when we're in proximity, we are, we are glad and sincere and honest and authentic and loving. The passage says that they had glad and sincere hearts, that they were praising God. And that is what earned them the favor of all people. John 13, 35 says this. Jesus said, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. As people of God, this is how others will see us and show favor when we love well. And when the church did all these things, what happened? The Lord added to their number daily. More and more people believed. And backing up just a bit in verse 43, it says that Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Now, this wasn't a magic show. It was not a scene from Harry Potter. The apostles and the early church were hanging out with people, and they were performing signs and miracles. This is some, there's something that's implied here in the passage. This group of believers were in proximity with people who needed miracles. And we can learn a few things from that, Right? They were the church, the people of God, living, breathing, serving, loving, walking alongside one another in the everyday. And it's in this context together that, that they witnessed spiritual formation and growth and discipleship. In this context that they, that they saw the kingdom expand. These followers of Jesus found themselves in a hard place. They were navigating life without a living, breathing Jesus. And the majority of the books in the New Testament are devoted to helping the people of God do life in the new reality of Jesus no longer being alive on earth. 
Just a few verses earlier in this passage, Peter says that the invitation to repent, believe, and be baptized is for everyone. And when everyone is welcome, there are questions and differences and tensions. The Jewish people and the Gentiles were different in so many ways, yet all were invited. Life got sticky, but they navigated it together. And first Peter, Peter calls for unity, and he's doing the same thing here. They devoted themselves to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer, to being together with God and with one another. And ultimately, their actions attracted folks. So what does this mean or look like for us today? When we have access to people, love and trust and accountability are built. Care happens and lives change, not only within the group, but in the community as well. And that's what this early group of believers in Acts was seeing, and we can see it too. Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says this, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. Throughout history, there have been tensions, conversations, arguments about what the people of God ought to do. We should preach the word, proclaim the word. No, we should demonstrate the gospel, show, not tell. We often see this in the United States, specifically within evangelical circles. But this isn't biblical. We need to do both And the local church, the local body of believers, all of us, have an important mission to do. To shine the light and reflect Christ. To earn favor. Grow the kingdom of God together. Both here and there. Locally and globally and globally. This is not a new concept for the global church. The church in Congo understands the concept of holistic gospel well. When I had the opportunity to travel to Congo in 2019, just before the pandemic, Um, I had the opportunity to travel in a truck with Pete Ekstrand, one of our covenant missionaries, another teammate, and the vice president of the CUM, the Congolese Covenant Church. And I'll say it was a highlight for me because I was able to learn so much about the local church in Congo. And I asked all the questions, which is something um, that I should have listed in my introduction. I love asking questions, all of the questions. You see, the Congolese Covenant Church, for them, there is a direct connection between community development, between compassion, mercy, and justice, and the gospel. So in action, the local church is the vehicle that is not only bringing the good news of Jesus, but also the good news of food security, of economic empowerment, of water, sanitation, hygiene, maternal health, child protection, education, all areas that our work with Covenant Kids Congo and World Vision and the SEUM impact. There is no separation. In Congo, God is using the local church to bring about change and wholeness and fullness of life. And friends, God is using our denomination, churches like Pine Lake, to bring about change and wholeness and fullness of life. There is power in the local church, both here in the United States and in Congo. Churches are an indispensable partner in God's mission. And I am honored to serve and equip and empower the local church, just like you are. As believers, it's an honor to serve one another. But I believe that the local church needs to step it up 
We know that the rocks will cry out if people do not, but we shouldn't leave it up to the rocks. We need to cry out. We need to shine light so more and more people will be filled with awe at the signs and wonders of our God. We need to shine so that the Lord adds to our numbers. But let's just not sit by and watch. We need to invite others in. We have an invitation, but it's not just for us. It's for here and there. It's for life in its fullness in Congo. It's for life in its fullness across the street from your house. So what are our takeaways? What is our action step or challenge for today? Let's go back to the text. Be the people of God who are in proximity to others so you can take part in the miracles of God, so that you and others will see his signs and wonders. Devote yourself to one another, giving to anyone who has a need. Anyone. Gather in person when it's safe to do so and continue to gather virtually until that time. Have glad and sincere hearts. Be kind and show love so that people will see you and praise God, so that people will see you and know that you are disciples. Let your light shine and watch the Lord add to our numbers, both here and there, both through the word and deed, reflecting the whole gospel in Sammamish and in Congo. Be the church, be the people of God. Today, I wanna close with a specific way that you can get involved in living this out right now. And that's the Global 6K on May 22nd. Let's watch this quick video together. Six kilometers is the average distance that women and children in the developing world walk to get water for their family. And often, most often, it is not clean water. My heart breaks because the potential is there. I drank from the spring because it is clean water, but it's not where it needs to be. We walk six kilometers or we run six kilometers in order to raise funds to build water projects that are making a significant difference and changes happening because of the funds we raise to build water projects here. As you consider ways that you're going to partner with, um, with the Congo in the next year, in the next 10 years, this is a very tangible way that you can make a difference. You can run, you can walk, you can just raise funds. So I encourage you to go to our website, get involved, and get your feet moving so that we can bring more clean water to the people of Congo. As you saw in the video, the Global 6K is an invitation for you to move your feet for the people in Congo. It's an invitation that, that will not only impact you, but also our brothers and sisters in Congo. But honestly, it's even more than that. It's an invitation for you to be the church and earn favor in your community. Invite your neighbors, invite your family and friends, kids and students, invite your classmates or teammates. This is an easy opportunity to shine the light of Christ, to serve globally and reach out locally. The Global 6K registration fee provides clean water for one person. That means that just by signing up, there is a life changed. This is a tangible way for you to serve the people in Congo. And it's a tangible invitation for someone who might not yet be sure about the church or even God. I'd love to see y'all have the biggest team yet. So if you are able, pull out your phone or computer and go to plcc.org global6k and register today. Then think of who you're gonna invite to join you. Then shoot them a text right now or commit to reaching out this week. Join me in prayer. Father God, thank you again for this time today. 
that we've had together to be challenged by you and challenged by one another to be the church. God, I pray that you would challenge us individually to step into the passage in Acts and to see how we can engage and love and serve the people around us, Lord, how we can love and serve one another. And God, I pray also corporately for this church to be able to um, determine ways that they can do this in their community. God, the Global 6K is one of those things, but there's so many other amazing things that are happening, God, that you are inviting us to take part in so that you can receive the glory and the praise. So God, I want to pray a special blessing on Pine Light Covenant this morning. Lord, I pray that you would continue to envelop this church in your care. God, that you would continue to use the members and attenders here to bring others to yourself. God, I pray that you would use the efforts of the Global 6K and their Team World Vision team to do amazing things, Lord, to spark conversations and build relationships, God, but also to raise funds for such an amazing work that is close to your heart in Congo. God, thank you for this church. Thank you for their heart to serve the world and to serve their neighbor, God. And I pray, I pray that you would just continue to grow that in them. And if we need a little bit more nudge, I pray that you would give it to us, God. But we are just so thankful that you call us your church, that you have given us such an important responsibility to reach the world in your name, Lord. And I pray that you would just continue to empower us and equip us and encourage us, God, to do just that through your Holy Spirit. We are so thankful for this day, Lord, and I pray that you would um, bless those who are here and that you would bless those who are not, God, that you would draw us closer to you in everything that we do. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. <music>